This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I ended the uh, intro music myself. Mike and I were just talking about we should start with the uh, intro music sung manually, but uh, I guess I accidentally hit the button twice and it decided that it was not going to go. So hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth official episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts. Uh, this is your weekly podcast hosted by myself and Michael Murphy, presented by Blue Shirt Banter, SB Nation's home of New York Rangers. Michael, thank you for joining today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine. This is an ominous start with no music. I don't, I don't know where we are right now. It feels like we're in the woods I without could, a map. I could play the music again right now, but I feel like it would be a little bizarre at this point to no, to replay it. It's, 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 it's came on for a second now. and disappeared. Uh, some exciting news. We, we've made our first investment, I guess, outside of time and energy in the show. I have purchased a, a new microphone. Uh, I've been, I listened to every show afterwards and... Uh, on the phone, it doesn't sound great. It kind of sounds like Mike and I are talking to each other on the phone, which we sort of were. So I've invested in a, a cheap condenser mic that, from my preliminary tests on the computer, sounds a lot better. Hopefully, it sounds a lot better to you guys right now. It, it doesn't sound as, I guess, telephony. It sounds more like you're in the room with us listening to us chat. And if this ends up working, we'll get Mike hooked up with one. And then the next thing you know, it'll sound like a true professional radio show. But this is the you know, the first real investment that we've made. We're both excited about it. Uh, big apology for doing the show during a Ranger game again. I know we promised that we would not do that when we did it the first time, but I am going to Seattle for my grandmother's 90th birthday party tomorrow, so we can't push the show back. I'll return on Monday just in time to do our next show on Tuesday, so we had to stick with it today. Uh, there's a couple of people in the chat right now, some people listening live. Thank you all. And we might be taking callers at some point. So if you want to get in on that, that's great. This way you can enjoy us and enjoy the Ranger game at the same time. It'll be good. It'll be good and fun. But in the future, we do have plans to anytime there is a Ranger game where it's feasible, pushing the radio show back to either Wednesday or some other time. So um, that is where we are right now. Michael, anything you want to add before we get rolling? No, it just, it's interesting to be doing the podcast while we're watching the game and sincerely hoping that we don't lose this game. I'm in a completely different room, so I'm not even watching the game, so I'm going to rely on you and the Twitter feed that's up in the background to keep me in the loop, uh, so we'll go from there. Uh, we have a caller already. I'm going to keep you on hold for a minute because we haven't even started yet. don't know what you want to talk about, but I will set it up for everybody else. Uh, this is the Do You Trust? Vigno to guide the Rangers to a Stanley Cup championship? And I guess really the question turns into this year. Uh, or do you not trust him and why? There are a few different reasons why Mike and I are pondering this, why you all are pondering this. It seems like Vigno has had a, a tough week with the media and the fans and some of the decisions that he's made. It's gotten to the point where uh, some fans who I had perceived as being very I don't want to say loyal because I don't think criticizing the head coach means you're not loyal, but there are people who are 
very much so against any type of criticism for a guy who's gone to the Stanley Cup final two times in his career as a coach. And even those people are beginning to back off. So it's a loaded question, Mike. We'll get into a few different reasons why. We'll talk about a couple of different things. But uh, big question, big picture. Do you trust Vigneault to be the guy to kind of get the Rangers to where they need to go? Well, it's it's an interesting thing. I think we've talked about the the magic of the third year and how you know coaches can lose their players in the third year because players get tired of hearing the same criticisms and judgments and motivations and the same tactics. Um, and you know, you look at his first year here. You know, Cup final, he got the team there. So uh, the the point I raised to you before the podcast started was. You know, I'm not sure the last time there was a guy behind the Rangers bench that I felt great about just because, you know, it's it's a long season and warts are going to show and mistakes are going to get blown out of proportion. And, you know, I can't count the amount of times where I have found myself muttering, you know, why, why doesn't he call a timeout? This is, you know, you don't get to take him home with you. Call the timeout. Um, but, you know, I don't pretend to know better than him or anyone else who's a head coach in the league. So uh, it's it's a tricky thing. I think I prefer him over a great many coaches in the league. Um, with that being said, are there a few coaches I think I'd rather have here? Probably, but, you know, I, I'm not sure we can do much better than a guy who's had the sort of success he's had. And, you know, he's been pretty darn successful in the short time he's been here. How do you feel? I think that's a fair assessment. As usual, your your level-headedness comes through. Um, I think the Rangers are in a position where when they hired Vigneault, they had to win. It was a very big aspect of the coaching decision. I really think if the Rangers weren't where they were at that time in terms of the ferocity about this core getting further and that Eastern Conference final run from 2011, I honestly believe Mark Messier would have been the head coach selection by Glenn Sather and company. But uh, he knew where the Rangers were. He knew where the Rangers needed to be. He brought in Vigneault. It's uh, interesting that we, when we first took callers, Tony, at, at least I think it was Tony since I'm giving him credit for it, uh, he talked about how the best job Vigneault has done in New York was the time when he had the least amount of control over the roster, when the lineup decisions weren't so much his creation as much as they were sort of what he walked in with. And I think there's something to be said for that as well. But I agree with you, Mike. There's a lot of worse coaches out there. I don't think Vigneault is a bad coach. I don't think Vigneault is someone who's incapable of leading the Rangers to where they want to get to. I just think that he's shown a lot of sides of him this year, kind of came out in Vancouver and was a big reason why he didn't last there either. Um, we're going to kind of talk about some of that. We're not going to go through everything, but some of the bigger things today. In the meantime, we have the first, it's a log jam of callers. We have three people holding. So let's get with the person who was on before we even started. Area code 347. You are on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? It's your old buddy, Dance Ken. Good evening. It, you know, I should recognize your number by now. Hello, Dance. How are you, you doing, should, buddy? shouldn't you? <laughs> I'm doing fine, guys. How about yourselves? Oh, you know, we're living the dream. Just podcasting during the Ranger game for those of you who are Oh, I'm assuming all of you are watching, but Zuccarello just put the Rangers up 2 nothing, according to 50 you in the sure chat room, did. so that's good. Um, Dan's, what's on your mind? Well, I mean, I want to answer your question, but to clarify the play, 
um, just in case you missed it, Joe. It was an excellent give and go between Zuccarello and Stefan that set up the goal. Um, Zuc scored five hole on uh, on Leonard, literally right in front of the net. Well, that's that's nice to see the Rangers getting into the dirty areas, as they would say. Um, so yes, to Vigneault, your thoughts? My thoughts are very simple. Um, this is a coach who walked back in from, oh, we have another goal, by the way, and that's Jesper Foss just scored. It's 3 nothing. Um, to answer the question, Vigneault's basic understanding was come in and become and just pick this team up from where it left off. Mike was right. Mike was actually bang on in everything he said. Um, the things that have come up along the way is that he's seen a lot of personality issues with him, and I don't really find them that drastic. Look around the league. I mean, Mike Babcock is a, is a line a minute. If you can't think of a thing that Mike Babcock says and you want to scrutinize, then you're picking at straws when it comes to Elaine Vigno. Um, Michelle Terrian, you, you name them, Claude Julien, you name them across the board, everybody will give you something that tweaks somebody. And this coach, predecessor, as a matter of fact, the predecessor's predecessor, all went down the same route in the third year, fourth year. To me, I trust Vigno because Vigno's record has spoken for itself. Three seasons, three solid regular seasons of 40-plus wins, or two at least, and we're heading towards a third. And any way you slice it, you've been to a Stanley Cup final. You've been to a conference final. If you – I mean, we'll see how this one plays out, but I don't see the harm. I don't, I don't see what where's the gripe with me. You know, I get it. You know, why is Glass still in the, still in the lineup? You know, what's the rub with, with Dan Boyle being in and out of the lineup? Things like that. You know what, I, Mike, you said it exactly right. It's the over-scrutiny that makes things really unnecessary in the long run. I'm happy to say that Solid to Donuts, I've seen the, the best three seasons this New York Rangers team has had in probably 20 years. Take away the, the period of time when Yager was part of the team. But we have seen some of the best hockey that this team has built up, worked towards under this coach, playing a lot of young guys and a lot of young guys who's, who are playing in New York, by the way. And this, I want to kind of throw this at, at the banter guys, at the other guys on the banter. You're forgetting about the fact that this is a team that's playing in New York City, in New York City where we're expected to win all the time by any means necessary. And the fact that you have a team that has contend kids who are seriously suffering from deer in the headlights, itis, how badly can you be doing? How badly can you be doing? And what more do you need this team to do but to win a cup? That's all uh, I got, that's boys. A, that's probably the best and most elegant way to put the pro Vigno crowd is essentially this is a guy who has a track record of success. This is a guy who's made it to the Stanley Cup final in Vancouver. This is a guy who came to New York and has brought about what is honestly a, a golden age of hockey, uh, especially when you consider uh, the run that he's kind of coming on with Rennie getting the Rangers to the playoffs, Tortorella kind of taking the next step, and then Vigneault taking the step after that to where we are right now. I, I think that's, that's a good way to put that type of a – it's a good way to kind of put things. 
What my concern is, Dan's, is when you look at the entire situation as a whole and you look at what the Rangers have done and you look at what the Rangers are doing right now, I think that the pressure on the team to win this year, because as much as this is a young team and as much as the core of this team is something that I think is going to keep the Rangers very strong for years to come if they so choose, some of the decisions that he's made in the short term have been questionable. And my concern comes from, and I agree with Mike, and I agree with you too. I don't think Vigneault is as bad as people make him out to seem. I do think there's a lot of questionable decisions he makes that I would love to have a little bit more clarification on. But for the most part, I look at a guy who I think can get the Rangers there. I just think he needs to get out of his own head a little bit. And I think that's part of the issue with what he's, become, I guess. And this year has been a little bit more erratic with his emotions. He's not been that cool, calm guy behind the bench as much. He's sort of been a little bit angry and he's definitely had a couple of explosions. Some of the stuff he's done publicly in terms of calling players out, he's never done that before. So we're sort of in uncharted territory. I think he's feeling the pressure a little bit too. And, uh, but I think you bring up the point that anybody who trusts Vigneault would bring up. I don't think anybody could say it better. Um, I really don't. So I appreciate that. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we uh, move on to the next caller? Sure. Just really quickly, I think then I think the question might be a loaded question, as you said, Joe. But I think what it really comes down to the question of is the question about whether or not you trust Elaine Bino, or do is a question whether or not you really are tired of what you've seen Glenn say to Bill. I think it's a little bit of both, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. I think it's – but I do think they go hand-in-hand hand to an extent because I truly do believe that a lot of the roster decisions that the New York Rangers made are Please actually leave your message for the roster decisions that have come from some of the decisions that he's made. I mean – the Rangers don't just walk into a room and Glenn Sather goes, okay, this is what I am going to do. So you're going to have to deal with it. They have a discussion with the head coach. I'm sure Vigneault sat down and said, Hey, these are the types of guys that I want. I'd like to get a Tanner glass type player in here. If not Tanner glass, I'm not really seeing much of a use for Anton Strawman. I'm convinced that a big part of the reason why the Rangers were able to move on from Duclair was because they thought to themselves, uh, you know what? He's not getting any playing time. Vigneault maybe wasn't in love with him. I, I really do believe that. So I do think it goes hand in hand, but you're right. The blame has to fall back on Sather to an extent because, and we talked about this last time, this is the team that he's built and the Rangers are suffering for it in a lot of ways and they will suffer for it. So I thank you for that, my friend. It's, it's a good discussion. We lost Mike along the way. We're trying to get him back, but um, we are going to bring on the next caller. Dan, I'll keep you on if you don't mind, since I may need a co-host to fly with me for a little bit uh, while we I try to get Mike back on. I can co-host for a couple minutes. It's not a problem. All right. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're moving on the fly. Uh, 585, you have been on hold for 10 minutes. I apologize. You're on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? This is uh, Russ out of Rochester. Well, how are you doing, Russ? Good, good. Yeah, I'm only an hour away from the game, and I was supposed to go, but I figured I would call in here instead. Not bad. Not no, well, bad. Let's see. I appreciate that. That's a good thing. You're 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 helping support the cause, if you will. Uh, what are Absolutely. your thoughts on this this Vigneault mess? Do you kind of agree with? I think I'm probably more of the negative Nancy when it comes to Vigneault. 
Dan's is definitely a little bit more positive. Who, uh, which side are you on, and why? Well, I'm I'm definitely on the overall. Um, I like what he's done, and I like the type of coach he has been. My my thoughts are, I guess, with another. I have to pose it with a with a question itself, and is do you think that I guess over the years with the remnants of the defensively sound and uh, teachings and the institution instituted into the Rangers like I guess framework that Tortorella left, do you think there was some benefit that that Lane was getting from being able to come in and open them up offensively too and still having the remnants of Tortorella there. And I think as I think, we move I think year by year as we move further away from Tortorella, we're finding that it's it's a less defensively sound team maybe because that uh, there's something left out of A V S game or his the, the way he coaches there. Do you kind of get what I'm saying there? I get it. I get the question. I think I know exactly the answer to that question, and it's it's a matter of uh, coaching styles. And it took a while for the coaching style of John Tortorella to leak itself out of the locker room. And you make a yeah, very, that's, very and that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think that I think John Tortorella really, really concentrated on pushing certain players. He he wanted his defensemen to be absolute defensemen because he hadn't yeah. had that in. A, so he has he had a solid group with Mark Stoll, Dan Girardi, uh, a, a young Ryan McDonough. He had Michael Sauer. He had uh, he had Michael Dozato, and he was looking for that last piece. And eventually, the team ended up drafting Dylan McIlroy. So all of a sudden, now to change the whole the whole perspective on the team in one shot, and we just got scored on. Um, wow. To get to change the whole perspective of the team, okay, you got to change the whole mindset. And the way to do that is you got to change the defensemen into more, uh, move them away from staying being stay at home defensemen, move them towards being off, you know offensive minded defensemen. They, many of these guys weren't built like that. Mark Stahl wasn't built like that. Dan Girardi wasn't built like that. Um, but, you know, I as think guys came. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dan, but I think that's the important part, and it, it sort of answers your question, too, in that when you look at what this Rangers team was under Tortorella and when you look at what they became and really evolved to under Vigneault, it, it's pretty much that Tortorella was a, a grind type of coach. He wanted to slow you down. He wanted to play good defense. He wanted his guys clogging up shot lanes. He wanted guys blocking shots. Dan Girardi is a perfect defenseman for a John Tortorella system and the Rangers made decisions about some of their free agents and I think Girardi is absolutely one of them I even think Mark Stahl is one of them who they were basing their performance off of the past regime and that would be John Tortorella so I look at the way that the Rangers left off with Tortorella and it, it was obviously not very good the there's a lot of talk about the dissent in the locker room that the team had turned on him. There were rumors that the Rangers were uh, as a team, the players were trying to force him out and told Glenn say that they'd had enough. Those reports were denied. It's clear Tortorella thought he had unfinished business in New York. He mentioned that when the Rangers played the blue jackets a couple of games ago, it's very clear that he wanted to stay and he wanted to fix things much the same way that Tom Rennie did as well. But I think the biggest issue and one of the biggest things that – well, I'll put it to you this way. 
the biggest issue with Tortorella was a lot of guys felt like they didn't get a fair shake under him. And a lot of players thought that once they were in the doghouse, they never found a way out of the doghouse. Chris Crowder was one of those players. JT Miller wasn't in the beginning. Then he became one of those players. So when Vigneault came in, the biggest attribute he had, and if you remember his first training camp, the shirts that they made were, you have a blank slate, now go grab it. And Vigneault basically opened up his arms and gave everybody a second chance and said, hey, this is what we're doing. You can come in. You can make your own way. And he helped a lot of these players. Now, I think it's fair to say that when you talk about John Tortorella and you talk about what he did with the New York Rangers, players like Derek Stepan, players like Ryan McDonough, two of the most important players on the Rangers right now, talk about how he made them much better and they wouldn't have been the players they are without him. And I think everybody has the coach that they click with and everybody has the coach that they work with. Um, Dan Girardi has not been the same player in the new system, but I think for the two of them, it was a lot more mental rather than it was systemic. And Tortorella got the most out of them. So I don't necessarily yeah. think Tortorella kind of helped push the Rangers in the right direction, like that Vigneault came in and, and kind of rode that wave. I think that there were definitely some things that he did well, but I think Vigneault had a lot of patching up to do too. And my biggest concern about where I see the Rangers right now, and it's not so much a matter of, okay, they're going to be able to get back to the Stanley Cup and win the Stanley Cup, but it's I look at what's happening and some of the things that I was going to talk about to Mike, Dan and I may end up talking about it now. Some of the comments that he's making publicly, some of the things that he's doing, benching Miller for a couple of mistakes in the first period, guys seemingly having leashes that never end. That seems very John Tortorella-y to me. And it does have a familiar feel to what things were like three or four years ago. And that sort of signaled the beginning of the end for John Tortorella, unless you disagree with me, Dan, but that's sort no, of the I, I feeling that I get. No, I don't. I don't disagree with you at all. As a matter of fact, I'll even I'll even you know add on a little a little bit of uh, pepper on that. To be honest with you, um, I was as a matter of fact, uh, my girlfriend Lisa was actually just saying the same thing in her own way. Um, John Tortorella had his own way of doing things, and his way of doing things was a defensive style first. They wanted a defense, a power play, a penalty kill. Five on five was not the greatest the greatest attribute. Um, teams were not; those teams were not built on great five-on-five play. They were actually. It's funny because they were actually what the Ducks were for those for those first three seasons. Uh, Tortorella's, uh, John Tortorella's three first three seasons. Okay, is what the Ducks were. They were a top-heavy line. Okay, full with full with Gabrick and Stepan, uh, who had, who had just absolutely come on and shown us some great things, and and Artem Anisimov. And then all of a sudden, we just had, you know, nine other guys running the forward lines. And that's what we were for the first three seasons. We were defensive-minded. We had a great power play, or we had a good power play that was, that was opportunistic. And Ryan Callahan made a very big difference in that, okay? And it's those guys who were, who were churning the butter all the time when it came to those teams. The transition has been a poor transition, in truth. Glenn Saylor could have wiped out this whole problem if he had done two things, okay? When he had the opportunity to trade Dan Girardi to, to Colorado for Tyson Berry and a pick, that's problem one solved. He could have pro- solved the second problem by trading Mark Stahl, and he didn't do either one, so unfortunately he's reaping what he sowed. The, the forwards have held up their part of it, 
but their part of it is only but so much, and you're right, Joe. They have done exactly the thing that they were supposed to do. They were all supposed to grow up, but they've grown up under Vino. It took them three years in, in spurts to grow up under John Tortorella, and now the, the, the remnants of that is, is that we're all now in a situation where, you know, we're seeing the past and the present meet each other. There has to be a future, and if the future is going to be better, they're going to have to decide on what that future truly is. John Tortorella's Rangers or Elaine Vino's Rangers? Which is going to be the future? And I think we'll get a, a good answer to that this summer, too. I really do. I think uh-huh. things are going to look totally drastically different uh, come this summer than they do right now. Russ, I'm going to let you go because we got someone who's been holding for 17 minutes. Thank you for calling in, buddy. Uh, call in next time, too. It's fun to have you. All right, we're going to move on to 203, a fellow Connecticut person. I apologize for waiting for 17 minutes. 203, you're on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? Uh, this is I Can Spell Good on, on Blue Shirt Banter, that is. My real name is Matt, though. You can just go by that. What's hey, going on, Matt? Matt how how's you? it going? Thank you for being a, a loyal um, Blue State Banter commenter. Uh-huh. Uh, wait, which one? Is that Dan Z? You said he's also from Connecticut? Yeah, that's Dan 10. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's it's going great. I'm actually ridiculously excited. Uh, this is the first time I've ever uh, answered. Uh, you know, we've been on like a, one of those radio talk shows, so I, I'm I'm reining in the temptation to fangirl here because I love you guys and, and just talk hockey instead. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You're you're a step below, I think, the real radio people, as as they would say, as our our tiny podcast tries to grow. But oh, I, no, I appreciate. I, you I love you guys too much. That doesn't even come into the equation. I'm just so excited I, to to be I talking to you guys. To- Walk out of the room with the ego that you have now created for me. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on this? We've had a couple of, I think, good debates about Vigneault. Um, Where do you fall on this? Um, well, my feelings, I, I, I thought that uh, Dan's brought up a lot of great points about Vigneault that I kind of mirror in the feeling of level headedness, which is I like uh, the record that Vigneault has. I think he's a very good coach in terms of system and execution. I mean, you, you look no further than the record. He's, it's, it, I think it's, uh, he was the fastest Rangers coach to 100 wins. That was a while ago. And I like that. My biggest problem, and I think it's a problem that a lot of people have, uh, has been his accountability and the way he utilizes the tools that he has. Um, look no further than uh, the favoritism that Tanner Glass gets over the likes of, you know, Emerson Edom, who's now with Vancouver, you know, JT Miller getting called out earlier uh, in the other game, getting stapled to the bench. Kevin Hayes got scratched a couple of times. Uh, and that, that irritates me certainly as a fan uh, because I look at those players and I see within them a lot of potential, a lot of upside. They're, they're puck movers, whereas uh, Tanner Glass is an enforcer, and I'm, I don't like the idea of having enforcers on a team. I'd much rather, as, as a lot of people have brought up, have, you know, a, a, a fourth line, a competent fourth line that can play good hockey well and can move the puck well and create good transition offense. So that's, I guess, my biggest issue with Vino. And so getting back to the, the bigger question, do I trust him to win Cup here? My My inclination is actually – Yes, because I think the Rangers themselves are good at, are, are good enough. I mean, it's they're certainly not favorites, not the way they're currently constructed. But bringing in Eric Stahl, while it's not, it wasn't the biggest problem that needed to be addressed, which I think is defense. It certainly did make the Rangers uh, a better team. When you have a goaltender like Lundqvist, anything can happen. Really, in hockey, I, I think anything can happen. 
And I just think that even though he's not putting the best lineup out there every single time, you know, the lineup in and of itself is good enough that uh, the Rangers can win a cup. And I think they've been a couple unlucky bounces, a couple of bad ref calls from going all the way. I mean, that's a, you, you bring up a fair point. And I think it's, it's important to note that the Rangers really do have a, a very talented lineup. The Rangers have a goaltender in Henrik Lundqvist, who's probably, I'm, for my money, he's the best in the league. Uh, he's not going to be, I think he should be a Vesna candidate for just what he's had to put up with in terms of the defense in front of him. I think absolutely, the Rangers, they ran to the Stanley Cup final. I don't think anybody would, would blink twice, but I get the sense that the way that we're viewing the New York Rangers right now is very different from the way that we viewed them last year. Last year it was, we need to be Stanley Cup contenders. We don't have a choice. We should be winning these games. We should be making it all the way back to the Stanley Cup and we should win the thing. And this year, it really does feel like the Rangers are much more of a, well, we can do anything with Henrik Lundqvist. And, you know, I think we have a really good team, but Henrik Lundqvist is the guy we have to lean on. Which, to me, sort mm-hmm. of reminds me of what it was like, again, under Tortorella, and even in some cases, Rennie, with, hey, we're good enough to make it in the playoffs. We might make some noise, but we really have to rely on our goaltender. And we've had a couple of discussions about this. We've talked about it on the site. We've talked about it on Twitter. We've talked about it on this radio show. If the Rangers going all the way back to the Stanley Cup final, if they win the whole thing, if the the Rangers do what they're supposed to do, quote unquote, it's going to be because they have a very talented group of forwards who can carry possession and can make things work. And then it's going to come at the heels of Henrik Lundqvist, who's going to carry any of the mistakes that the defense makes. And for the most part, the defense is sort of going to be along for the ride. So, I mean, Dan's. I don't know if you feel differently about that or if it's something you would agree with, but I am curious your thoughts about if we're perceiving the Rangers to be this way, and Vigneault even made a comment that once we make the playoffs, anything can happen with Henrik Lundqvist. Do you think the Rangers perceive themselves that way? I think they not only perceive themselves that way, I think that I think the rest of the league perceives them that way. And I think that's the reason why they trade with them the way that they do. And they and they'll take free agents from them and not and not allow them to uh to build up the build up the rest of the team because teams know if they get one chance to get the team that they want to get, to build it up to surround Henrik Lundqvist with the right talent and surround them with the right opportunity. It won't be one cup. It won't be two. It'll be five because Henrik Lundqvist is that good. They're not stupid, you know, and the Rangers know that they've got to build up a team that's got to be able to get there long term. They've got to be able to get to a place where they can be able to to have a team of longevity. The window is closing on Henrik Lundqvist, yes, but not so much when you look at the guy down in Florida Okay, who's tearing it up and who's and who might be one of those Vezina uh, 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 candidates? Look at the guy in uh, look at the guy over in uh, in New Jersey. I mean, he waited eight years for an opportunity, and he's not so much so much younger than Lundqvist. So the opportunity is there, and anybody who thinks that this team can't pull it off, you know, have, have, has got another thing coming. But you know, the the build up with this team has to be around whether or not the whole organization comes together. It's got to be the whole organization coming together. It's, in, it's only in parts. When you look at this team, you know, this team is built well. It's built to last. But it, what it is not, it is not built on complete opportunity. And certain guys 
like I said before, you know, are running as deers in headlights because as deer in headlights because what they're doing is is they're hoping that I'll give you a perfect example. The, the previous game, Aristotle has a coming out party. Everybody else was kind of, eh, eh. The guy had four face-off wins before anybody else had won. That's a scary thought, that Eric Stahl basically held that team in, okay, when they were down 3 nothing five minutes into a game. That's how this team ends up going. And, unfortunately, the same guys who were ripping John Tortorella, and, and that's not rumor, by the way. That happens to be fact, okay? Um, the same guys who were ripping John Tortorella and saying, you know, he's too hard on us, he doesn't give us opportunity, he doesn't give us a chance to grow, are the same guys who usually end up wilting exactly at the time when they should be rising. And where they wilt and how they wilt is usually they get they get it in their minds that, oh, if they, I don't have to play that hard because there'll be a guy who will play harder than me and, and it will work out well. That's what's been going on with, with, with not only Henrik Lundqvist. That's not only what's going on with, uh, with, uh, with, with Eric Stahl. It, it's Rick Nash before him and Derek Broussard and Matt Zuccarello. And at times it's been Derek Stepan, you know. But other guys just don't, you know, they don't come together and say, we're a team. We're going to be together. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. That's not what they do. And the more you see these guys is the more I go back to a thing that Chris Drury said before he left this team. We were in the midst of that 2012 uh, uh, playoff run, and we got stopped on the very last day of the season. But the thing that he said three games before that season ended was there are a lot of guys who need to grow up pretty quick. And he was right. He was absolutely right. These young players have a lot of talent. Listen, Chris Kreider, how many times do I put the words Krydukin on the on the screen for people to know how much I love Chris Kreider? And I never want to see this guy out of a Ranger uniform. But one thing is to be certain. This guy has a tendency to shy away from shots. Or he or he just has the worst things happen to him when a shot a shot needs to be shot. Okay? JC Miller, you're seeing the growth. Guys and certain guys are seeing the growth, but you know, you, you've got to, but you've got to want it. You've got to want it. I, I think I mm-hmm. there's a couple parts of that that uh, I probably don't totally agree with, but some of the ones that I, I definitely do is there is a mental aspect to the game. I can certainly see there being some circumstances where guys maybe I don't want to say aren't trying as hard because I, but maybe not. So being so concerned on the defense or making the smart play and not trying to be just simple instead of fancy. I think we've seen so much of that. And Chris Kreider is a really good example of a guy who I think is playing very good underlying hockey, who you mentioned his dance has been a little unlucky and who also gets in his own head. I think the Rangers still have players that get in their own head. I think Miller gets in his own head. I think that even guys like Yandel get in their own head. Nash is in his own head. And I think for some of them, the big concern that I have, is the Chris Griders, the JT Millers, the Kevin Hayes of the world, I can see them getting in their own head because, Matt, you brought it up. It's this bizarre wheel of justice that Vigneault rolls. You never know Absolutely. what's going to come from it. And one of the things that I was, I was going to mention, and we may as well talk about it now, the JT Miller situation against the Islanders. Miller's on the ice for two goals against, the first two goals that the Islanders scored. 
Vigneault looks at it and says, you know what, that's the end of you. Miller plays about seven minutes. The next day in practice, Miller is on the fourth line. The beat reporters get involved. They ask a couple of questions about it. And I don't know who asked the question, but it's on Andrew Gross, who for my money is one of, if not the best beat reporter uh, out there for the Rangers beat. In the practice, he's asked about whether or not he thinks Miller is frustrated with having a short leash. And this is Vigneault's answer. And I quote, it might seem like that to him he has, or that he has a short leash. It might seem like that to you, the media, that he does. It's not. It's not any shorter or longer. Some guys do, obviously, because of the experience factor. They might probably get a little bit longer. In JT's case, it's just about the process of a young player in developing and learning to control things that they can. If you have a so-so shift or you miss a responsibility, you've got to have a short memory. You've got to get ready for the next shift, and you have to make sure the next shift is good. I think he's in the process, end quote. Now, I have two comments from that. The first is oh, wait, you um, say uh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you mind if I interject quickly? Because I just wanted to no, make ahead. a point about what Dan said, and I wanted to make it before you went into that because it was about what he was saying earlier. Um, with you, you had said like it seems like uh, players sometimes rely too heavily on like when one guy is doing well. Luke in the beginning of the year was on fire, and players might have relied on him. You know, players tend to lean on Hank because he's you know the greatest goalie in the world. And I do think there's a little bit of merit to that, but I also think that it's not fair to some of the guys who have shown they can step up like JT Miller, when they had that horrible rut in December, Miller really took it upon himself, or at least I perceived that he took it upon himself to step up, uh, especially on the ice. And I heard he was stepping up in the locker room. He was on that goal scoring tear. And what frustrates me, and I'm sure what frustrates us all to absolutely no end is that guy who shows that he wants to, you know, pick the team up when it's doing bad, who wants to be the leader, who wants to be the best that he could be, you know, Makes you know he he was on the goal scoring tear and then the game against the Islanders makes a couple of mistakes and he gets stapled to the bench like that's a horrible mindset to have that you know I can put in all this hard work and I can do everything in my power to make this team the best that it can be but then you know I'm 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 not you know it's it's like you know when you make a mistake when you're playing the game and the coach benches you the second after a mistake that's all you start thinking about. So I just wanted to make that one point that I do think some people do step up, but the problem is not so much in players not stepping up as it is um, Elaine Vino's crazy wheel of justice. And I, that was the point I was going to make. You were about to make. Which is essentially, first of all, Vigneault says it might seem like he does not have a short leash, but by the way, some guys do get longer leashes than he does. And then the second thing he says is, You've got to get ready for the next shift, and you have to have a short memory. Well, like you said, Matt, how are you supposed to do that when you get benched? And the concern that I have is some players have a never-ending well of second chances. And you know the players that I'm talking about. They're veteran guys. They're the guys that Vigneault has leaned on all year. They're the guys that he's going to continue to lean on all year. And those guys have a never-ending well of those second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth opportunities. You would think... Joe, 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 even even now I got to stop you. I understand exactly where you're going with this, and I just want to bring up, and something just popped up in my mind as you said that. Let's go back back a few games. Let's go back to the New Jersey game, okay? I'm not going to criticize JT Miller for the fight because the fight, you know, the fight's the the heat of the game, no question about it. But him getting into that fight, Okay, you're in a situation where you've got where you've got a close game being played. Okay, 
you got a guy looking to agitate, looking to looking to get under your skin, you let him. Okay? You let him. You had a bad play prior to that. Okay? And then you had a play where absolutely the guy lets you, you know, the guy goaded you and you went for it. So, you know, th- there's a level of maturity that still has to be achieved here. I get what you're saying. I get what Matt's saying. And you're both correct. But, you know, at times Miller Miller has re- has regressed and progressed, and I mean he would be one guy on the whole team. There's 22 guys on the team. There's no way you can single him out. I don't want to throw him under the bus. He won't be the only one. Okay, I've seen lots of guys do that. I've seen lots of guys get into 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 really bad habits. And you know something I see about this coach? This coach understands that form that habit forming is something that you have to eliminate. That's all part of growth, okay? That's all part of growth. That's also all part of, of developing a prospect into a player. J.T. Miller, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, his prospect days left, you know, his, his first 35, 40 games of, of, his, of his career. He's no longer a prospect. He's a player in this league, okay? He's had over 50 games in this league. And he, if he... Yep. And Ryder and Foss and 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 Hayes, okay, and Lindbergh, all right, all understand that. Then they all understand that they're no longer prospects and they cannot be viewed as prospects. The league won't look at you as a prospect. Your team can't look at you as a prospect. The media won't look at you as a prospect. And those things have to be taken into account. And you've got to be able to answer the bell when the bell is rung. I agree with you to an extent. I, I really do disagree about the, or the, at least the one example that you brought up, um, which is about the, the J.T. Miller stuff with getting into the fight. And I, I just, I don't see that being a circumstance where he's really doing anything wrong. Granted, he got he got kicked out of the game, but it's for a weird rule that just ha- oh we just lost that. Uh, thank you for calling everybody. Problems with the. The dashboard. Uh, I don't know what's going on. We got some technical difficulties today. Dan, I don't know if you have the radio background. If you could just turn that off, I think it's reverberating back to us. Um, uh, no, it might be. I'm no. not speaker, so I actually, I'm actually lowering it as I hear the reverberation. Okay. Cool. Thank you, buddy. Um, sure. So yeah, I just, I think that there's definitely when you, you have a good point, which is essentially. Miller's not a prospect anymore. Some of these young guys aren't prospects anymore. But what I disagree is you do have to take players and put them into different categories. And one of the categories is a developing player. Yes, Miller's not a prospect, but he's a developing player. Even Chris Kreider's a developing player. Kevin Hayes is a developing player. Oscar Lindbergh, Jesper, Jesper Foss, they're all developing players. When you look at the way that they're treated and you look at the way that sometimes they get punished for certain things that happen, it kind of brings into question how you see a guy make mistakes and not have anything happened to him, but you make a mistake and then you're sitting because you're not a veteran. And I don't think it's because Vigneault doesn't like them. I don't think it's because Vigneault hates them. Anybody who thinks that it's a knee-jerk reaction and it's wrong. What I think it truly is, is Vigneault trusts veterans, whether he should or shouldn't. And it's something that he had, it followed him around from Vancouver. One of the biggest knocks about him in Vancouver was that he refused to let go of this idea that players who previously filled important roles 
should still fill it, even if they And a couple of old school examples are Brad Richards being used on the point in the power play. Martin St. Louis being used as much as he was when he was struggling last year. I think this year, Eric Stahl and Dan Girardi and Tanner Glass, that's really all you need to see to know that that's something that has been happening. And it's, it's a problem that could feasibly sink the ship. His usage of Tanner Glass is concerning. There's a lot of things that you look at and you say to yourself, huh, I kind of wish that wasn't the way that things were going right now. The point that I'm trying to make is I think a coach needs to be cognizant of that. I think a coach needs to be able to walk up and down the bench and say, hey, listen, you made a couple of mistakes. You got to move on. You got to get past it. Because sitting Miller, throwing him on the fourth line in practice, this is the second game in a row that Hayes has been on the fourth line. Miller eventually was moved back up to the first line. It, it's tough. It's tough to develop in that type of an environment. And there are players who I truly believe are better hockey players because of Vigneault. I think Zuccarello Brassard is a huge example of a player who never put it together in Columbus, who's been able to put it together under Vigneault. I really believe that there are some players that he just works with. Benoit Pouillat. There are a lot of players out there that have done great things under him. But I think there's other players that have gotten the short end of the stick. It's come with some of their promising rookie slash young players who need to play and they need to develop. And I have a nasty feeling that Oscar Lindbergh is going to be the guy that's sitting come the playoffs so that Tanner Glass can play. And that worries me. And when we talk about whether or not you trust Vigneault, I don't think it's a matter of whether or not Vigneault has the ability to win a Stanley Cup. I think it's clear that he does. I don't think it's about Vigneault's ability to get a team to a Stanley Cup. Again, I think it's clear that he does. I think the concern comes from can Vigneault get out of his own way in some of the methods that he's currently utilizing that he's not willing to move on from to get there. Because the end of Tortorella might have been the player descent, or it might have been the fact that he was running his top lines into the ground or that the team didn't think that he could get to the next level. But that's because he never evolved. He never changed his strategy. He never changed his style. And I feel like we're getting to that point with Mignot. I mean, that's my thought on the matter. It, it's sort of a cop-out because it's a, it's, it answers both questions. Yes, I do think he can get there. No, I'm not totally comfortable with it. But, I mean, that's where I am. That's where I fall on it. I'm not sure where, where Mike falls on it. He obviously can never get back in. But, Dan, any closing thoughts as we've we've launched past that 45-minute mark? Uh, okay. Well, my simple, my, my simple statement goes back to the question that I asked before. Is it a matter of whether or not Vigneault is actually the right coach for the job um, or whether or not we have uh, we have a backlog of, of stated players uh, who are gumming up the works. And in my opinion, I, I think it, I think it is most of both, but I think it is the majority of the say the players that are still left over. Um, I think this New York Rangers team has the tools and it has the talent. And I think they, that you got to get the, got the coach has to get the backing of the organization finally to put us in a position to do it all. I think we are very close. I think we're closer than a lot of people might feel. And, you know, hopefully that'll be the case sooner than later. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's the the big concern, at least from my standpoint. One of the reasons why I've been so hard on Vigneault and one of the reasons why I think I've been so critical of him is because you don't know when you're going to get another kick at the can. And this is really the last shot for this team, depending on what the Rangers do 
over the summer. I think it's going to be very telling as to whether or not this Stanley Cup window stays open for another couple of years. And you got to work with what you have right now. The Rangers paid a big price to get Eric Stahl. The Rangers are, they're all in. So I want to see them do the best that they can do right now to get to the Stanley Cup. And I just think some of the moves that Vigneault has made have been, uh, I don't want to say detrimental, but to be fair, detrimental to that goal. And again, that's not to say Vigneault can't get there. That's not to say Vigneault's incapable. It's not to say that even with using a lineup that maybe has Tanner Glass instead of Oscar Lindbergh, the Rangers won't get to the Stanley Cup. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist is that good. That forward group, even with Glass, is that good. But I think the Rangers have definitely made some decisions that have shot themselves in the foot. And I find that questionable and it can be frustrating. So I think this was a good, healthy debate. I apologize to all of you for losing Mike. A big thank you to our good friend Dan for stepping in and running as my co-host as Mike's replacement for 45 minutes. I appreciate that, buddy. I really do. I don't know where I would have been without you. Um, uh, I do my best work on the pressure. Oh, that's you see, we were just talking about the prospects and players not doing their best work under pressure, but uh, yeah, you, did, you came through for me. Um, thank you, buddy. Mike, where you are, come back and join us. Uh, so for the rest of you, just a, a big thank you for uh, listening. Again, the downloads have been spectacular. These episodes, especially the past couple of episodes, have. I think broken any record or any thought that I had that we were going to do. So it's been fantastic to see the outreach of support has been great. This is my daily plea to please find us on iTunes. Give us a great rating, subscribe to us, leave a nice comment. If you want to, you can find us at iTunes at bantering the blue shirts. We, uh, the more people that subscribe, it, it moves us up in the ranks. So other Ranger fans can find us. Uh, as always, you can find these episodes playing at the bottom of every single story in the must-reads. I think that's where most of you are finding us right now. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out to Mike, who could not be here when his phone dropped off, but you can follow him at twitter.com at digdeepbsb. You can also find him on blueshirtbanter.com and blueshirtbanter.com slash riveters. You can find me at blueshirtbanter.com and pretty much any social media network slash blueshirtbanter. Uh, again, a big thank you for Dan for stepping in for our technical difficulties, hopefully, and I won't know until I listen tomorrow, but this upgrade with the new mic system sounds good. We can get mic set up and get a little bit of voice quality. I know that's been one of the, the big complaints from people who have been listening. Uh, again, I apologize for doing it during the Ranger game. The next time we will move it if we can. I couldn't move it this time, but just wanted to give you all one last shout out and a big thank you for all the people who called in and all the people who have been listening. The, the support has been great. So sorry this episode was a little rocky, especially in the middle when we lost Mike and we were trying to get him back on. But I think we did a pretty good job jumping around and hopefully the discussion was something you guys enjoyed. So thank you so much. Again, this is Banter in the Blue Shirts. I'm Joe Fortunato, joined as usual by Mike Murphy. Uh, you can find us every Tuesday at 8 o'clock unless there's a Ranger game where we'll move it. And thank you guys for listening. See you next week.